We should just we should, let's do a stream. Let's let's stream. We should stream. We got to stream for the Patreon folks. Lawnmower Man is a good. I know we said Transformers the last night, but I don't actually know if I could do that one. Don't. It's not even worth it. it that just movie sucks, is right? just an it's just an assault uh. on your being. <laughs> I just, in fact, as soon as you mentioned it, I just want to start going off on it right now, but I won't. <laughs> I won't. I, but, but I get the impression that Michael Bay had a bone to pick with millions of people and was like, I'm going to do this is this is the way that I'm going to get to you. Just like a you Transformers know? related bone to pick or, or just he just no, like has the, something and Transformers is the is his method by which he will pick the bone. Yes. Like, for example, he wants to say something to people. And he could do that by doing an interview or writing a tweet or doing some sort of, you know, op or something, you know, yeah. but instead he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get as many people as I can in one shot and I'm going to have them pay for it, <laughs> you know? And then he, and then he basically picked his bone with, with as many people as possible. I, like, I, I feel, I, I know that's sort of a, uh, cynical look and 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 theory but i actually think that's what happened i think he was mad i think he was mad at people and he was like this is the way that i'm gonna take it out on the world and if he Fuck you if he hadn't been a blockbuster director he probably would have just been a dude with a gun at some like shopping mall no it, it feels knows. like an assault though when you're watching it it feels <laughs> like he hates you <laughs> michael bay does hate hate me I don't know how. I felt or that why. I was a hated while I was watching that movie. <laughs> like he, he hated me. It was the movie equivalent of just being like hung on a locker hook, just like left there for. Yeah. Why are you doing this to me? Okay, so welcome to Arl Knots Podcast, episode fifteen. <laughs> now that we're twenty minutes um, into it. <laughs> this is Craven. We can put this at the top, I guess. Yeah. This is Craven. This is Zach. All right, your, and on today's boys. show, we're going to be... It's your boys! Arl Nuts! I guess, uh, so in this episode, we're going to be discussing some, I guess, movie news. There's some big stuff. Star Wars is this week. Pretty psyched about that. Star Wars! Uh, we'll be rambling. We don't have anything big lined up. No special storytelling things. No Christmas stuff. No interviews. Here we have but Christmas. We should, unless you want those, we could hit you with a Christmas horror episode. It's all horror, no matter what the season is. Christmas horror. Christmas yeah, we horror. Could do that. Christmas horror is actually a thing, I guess. Though there's plenty of Christmas-based uh, horror stories out there. Yeah. I watched. Yes. I watched Krampus finally. Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like that ending, which we shouldn't give away without oh. warning that there are spoilers. I thought but, uh, it was, maybe we can I, get into that down the down the yeah. line. Unless you want to jump in right now, should yeah. we jump into? We should. We should just horror. talk about. We should just talk about yeah movies. I like Krampus. I liked. I liked. Uh, I liked the Krampus ending too. I thought it was uh, bittersweet. You know, a lot of people are really torn. So again, spoilers coming up if you haven't seen Krampus. Uh, big spoilers. So the ending, I know, is really polarizing for a lot of people. Because people like uh, people like to know one way or the other what's going on. And it's, you know, they don't like to have a mystery. Yeah. And I love it. 
I, I loved not knowing exactly what it meant. Oh, and I didn't being think, able to throw my own interpretation on it. I didn't think there was any mystery about it. I, th I thought it was pretty clear. Like they. Oh really? Yeah, they. Like, cause so the whole idea was that this family was slowly like falling apart as everyone kind of grew. Every year they'd meet, and it would just be things would be a little worse than they were the last year, when they actually really used to enjoy each other's company. And so the youngest kid was basically just asking Santa Claus for everybody to just be happy so they could be happy together. But they're all awful people, so they don't. It's really yeah. kind of too late for them. And so the Krampus comes because when a kid wishes for their family to like go away. Then Krampus will come and, and and his minions will will drag you to his whatever his dimension, and so this whole movie, all this kid wanted was for his family to be together and happy on Christmas again, and, and <laughs> he got that. <laughs> like it all, they all lived happily ever after. But if we're going into spoilers, the only way it could happen is if they existed eternally in Krampus's like collection. Ah, they became see, his. See the. I could I could agree with you, but I thought that the the director intentionally said, "I'm going to put a, a a little bit of a mystery on this when I when I put it out there." Huh. And the reason I think he did that uh, to leave it as open because that that could be interpreted as a dark, pretty dark ending, right? If they were just yeah. in hell, basically. Yeah. But the, it's the like the thing that he did that yeah. I thought could possibly undermine it, in my opinion is that the family seemed aware of what had happened. Right. And the idea was in my head that maybe they had had a shared experience together and that that shared experience was the the weirdness and that it it it, it wasn't necessarily like a literal they were now under Krampus's like in his snow right. globe forever for all eternity, but that that was just like a collection of families that he had turned through uh, his I'm going to freak you out and then you're going to know it well, and you're going to keep that with he, you and every time you start to get ugly again just remember yeah well i <laughs> guess that you know why that, that you know why that could be pretty cool and uh, this might be stretched a little bit because a snow globe is generally a keepsake like a souvenir right right so instead of like them being right. trapped in it he, it's just a souvenir of that family's trial that uh trial by right. Krampus <laughs> Right. And what I love about it is that both interpretations are exactly correct. Yeah. There's and that's that's what I love uh, when when directors say, you know, I'm going to leave this open to the audience and I'm not. Sometimes they come forward in an interview or something and they have they kind of cl clarify what they were thinking. Yeah. But uh, a lot of directors are happy just to throw something out there and then l let it be open to any which interpretation. And that's like really beautiful to me as an audience member. Oh yeah. Chris like Nolan is like the king of that right now. No, Cause people still yeah, think Inception is, is hotly debated uh, in regards to the ending, Yeah, which I'm totally yeah. fine just leaving the way it is. It's like, cause I, the, the way I cut my mind kind of works it, it, it is that who cares as long as he's happy. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> did he get what he wanted right. in the end? Then who cares? It's a happy right. ending for right. his character, you know. That's right. Um, same with Krampus. I mean, they all got what they wanted. They're happy on Christmas, you know. Yeah. One or the other. That's some. That is a sort of resolution. They're, they're happy with a hint of weirdness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A hint and what of is, wait a minute. What is weird that that you may, you may be slightly aware that you're living in a purgatory, or that you're all just silently acknowledging that you've battled monsters and lived to tell the tale. <laughs> like, <laughs> that you exactly. you survived digestion by way of. Uh, stocking becoming a stocking stuffer in a 
elf demons <laughs> weird sack <laughs> yeah no <laughs> for real i and and not to mention i just felt that the movie was fun and bizarre and yeah had uh, a lot of cool like practical effects and and other like weird cg and it was yeah. it was just fun i just thought it was a fun movie yeah the creature work was great it, it was it was one of those movies that I appreciate because it, it had a throwback feel to it where the person who made it clearly had a you know a respect for older horror s- stories so it wasn't it was tongue in cheek but it wasn't yeah it wasn't like afraid to be serious and take its premise seriously and, and but still have fun with it nothing is worse than like the fuck the Sharknado and all those stupid ass movies that are like trying to wear on their sleeve how much they just don't give a shit about anything and it just that bums me out. It's like have some passion. Really? Yeah. I, uh, it's I might just, disagree with you on that. O- yeah. Only because, uh, well, well, it depends. It depends on how badly something really is is handled. Right. I know, for example, that Sharknado. They knew they were making a bad movie. Right. So like, why they, bother? They like, knew. It's... They knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. But there, <laughs> there is sometimes still something that's so funny to me about, uh, seeing an actor do something that should have never made the final cut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just... Actors, I don't really know, blame. They're just, you know, they they have a job to do. They show up and do it. It's 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 the creatives that, that see those kind of projects through because it's so nihilistic, in my opinion. <laughs> well, well, have you ever... You've seen Birdemic, right? I haven't, no. We've, we've talked about it. I just... I don't know why. Just that, The idea <sighs> see, of watching that see, movie Birdemic just makes is, me sick. <laughs> I get it. It's I one know of the, those... <laughs> it's it's one of those movies though where I don't care if the director knew what he was doing or not because it's so sloppy. It's yeah. hilarious. Like yeah. it's and and you've heard hanging out with my family. Yeah, you've right? <laughs> yeah, you tried to play for it me. for you. Yeah, every play, video of it. Play right here in the podcast for anybody yeah, find who it. needs a reminder. Play it for everybody. Make me feel at ease. The barbecue is brewing and Uncle Phil is scoring. Big Mama's in the kitchen, and everybody's wishing that she's fixing their favorite dish. And just, just hanging out, hanging out, hanging out with the family, having ourselves a party. Just hanging out, hanging out, hanging out with my family, having ourselves a party. Just hanging out, hanging out, just singing out. Yeah, so that song is uh, like a masterpiece. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scene. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of tough because if somebody, somebody could be like that. You know, I, I'm loosely aware of the story of the Birdemic guy, and I know that he, I think, tried to make a good movie. I don't think he was just an asshole trying to, <laughs> you know, to just to make a bad movie on purpose because he thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, cause you know why a bad movie on purpose is, is insulting to me because it's a, it's, it's a, it's an, an acknowledged waste of everyone's time. They're like, the only reason you would watch this is if you hate yourself or if you want to make fun of it. Like we're just pre we're preempting this, yeah. the not being able to make a good movie by just wearing it on our sleeves. And it's just so, I don't know. It's just like, to have the privilege of being able to make a movie and then to do that with it, to just be like, fuck yeah. you, fuck you, fuck your time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're it, not even gonna try and is, move you in any way or change you, or like. Or, it does kind of feel like a waste. It does yeah. kind of feel like a waste sometimes, but but sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, just a good laugh, even you know, a good solid hearty laugh. Yeah. Even in a even in a comedy can be can be hard oh, to, yeah. to find. 
It could be. Yeah, it's you true. Know? And that's, you know, that's why I appreciate comedy that has like craft behind it because it is I we know how hard it is to to find a joke yeah. and land it and make people laugh and enjoy it for, you know, on Shit, purpose it's the way hard. you intended. Yeah. Yeah, um, it is hard. And that's just those movies to me are people just saying like I don't even want to try. I don't even care. I, I feel like I'm going to fail, so f- just fuck you. Here's a sh- here's Sharknado. <laughs> And it's just, and it's also here's, like lazy here's Transformers. Internet. Yeah. <laughs> here's your fucking Transformers movie. Eat there's it. almost yeah. Fucking it sounds like there's almost no eyeballs. difference between Transformers and Sharknado in terms of intention. <laughs> I think there is. I think that Sharknado is meant to entertain. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Transformers is meant to to, to hurt hate, you. to hurt you to yeah. hurt you and your time. You know what's like, you know no what bums that, me out that, too though <laughs> is that like the the Mega Shark movies. Those bum me out yeah. because they're, cr- they're, they're they fall in that category, but I want to see a, a genuine Mega Shark movie. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> I don't want a joke Mega Shark movie. I want to see Mega Shark fight giant octopus, and like everybody takes yeah. it seriously, and it's awesome for yeah, but the then, right and uh, wrong I don't know, reasons. Man, then you're gonna get Pacific Rim, you know? Yeah. It's like ah, uh, I mean, that's what happens when a when a serious director who is an incredible director takes on a project like that becomes Pacific yeah. Rim. <laughs> I, did, I didn't hate Pacific Rim. I appreciated No, you know, it was good. What was... It was fine. It pales in comparison to his his other oh, best yeah. and greater works. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun movie for sure, but something about it just rubs me the wrong way. I can't That's... I don't know what it is. Yeah, it, it doesn't it has it lacks that kind of uh what is it? Um the spirit of his other work. His other work is very lovingly it's a little it feels a little more hollow than than his other stuff. It's um, polished as hell. But it's, it's super just, polished, yeah. I don't but know. There's just something about his other work that just, it's just, it's like, kindles the imagination and, you know, just yeah. feels like, it's just feel, it's like full of heart and passion and, you know. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen his newest one yet. I know we were talking about going to see it. Oh, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be amazing. I can't yeah. wait to see it. Yeah. Um, I actually I just saw, remember, like, ba- go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You go. I was going to say, I just remember, like, bawling my eyes out at the end of Pan's Labyrinth and thinking, like, this guy, oh, this yeah. guy just did, did it, you know, he really did something here. Yeah. Well, I he, I read an article recently about how Blade Two had not aged well, but it, but people, many people don't realize how important that movie was before <laughs> Guillermo uh-huh. del Toro's career, because it was commercially successful and actually gave Guillermo del Toro the ability to make what it would become some of the best movies ever made, you know, Pan's Labyrinth and even Hellboy, the Hellboy films, you know, and I also disagree with that article because I watched Blade 2 not too long ago and it's awesome. (laughs) 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 It's that's what I'm talking about. That movie is in in anybody else's hands. They would have been like the, I don't give a damn director who just made it stupid because they knew they could, but he went in there to Blade 2 and was like, I'm going to make a, the most badass movie I can possibly make and it was badass and it was yeah there's some unfortunate you know uh, technical things that have aged poorly like full blown wide shots of two CGI people fighting but uh, (laughs) that just doesn't look good but yeah yeah, it was just there's you know there's there's that scene I'm a sucker for the slow walk by the way the slow walk is one of my favorite things and is it? just, oh yeah, I love the slow walk. When you get like badasses, I don't know how I feel about the slow walk. Ah, oh, slow walk, man. If it's done well, like you can't just gratuitously yeah. do a slow walk. But in this movie, it's Blade 
with a crew of people that were trained to kill him. Their whole reason for existing is to kill him, but now they're a team. And that includes yeah. like Ron Perlman, uh, Donnie Yen, and yep. just just incredible badasses slow walking into a club to go kill vampires. And the song that was playing was uh, uh, Eye Against Eye, which was most deaf, partnered with uh, uh, Chemical Brothers or something like that. I can't remember who it was, but it's such a dope song. And it was a dope crew. And it was a dope shot. And I was just, that slow walk is one of the coolest slow walks in action movies. <laughs> <laughs> I got to watch Blade 2 again. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Guillermo del Toro, always going to be one of the best. He's amazing. Yeah. He's he's one of the great directors. He's just he's got that great blend too of he knows how to jump into commercial films and then just dive dive back deep into his more sort of independent yeah. stylings, which is really cool. A lot of directors can't can't do that uh, yeah. as fluidly as he seems to be able to do. Well, he seems um, to like continually learn from cuz you could see in some of his more commercial movies like he takes he plays around with stuff and then and then expands on it and like with creatures and design and um, themes and he then he worked then he really explores them in his personal films and they're just you know the guy's always yeah just taking picking up the ball and running with it he's one of the best I was reading recently that his his house is super bizarre oh that makes have me you happy. heard about this no but it's I I, I would hope it is <laughs> you should <laughs> you should just go look it up apparently he basically uh, has surrounded himself with just crazy sculptures and and alien designs just like all over the place in his house and it's so he just he kind of lives within his I'm checking. own imagination holy smokes dude just the google search yeah. results is there's just a gigantic frankenstein's monster head <laughs> yeah at the top of a yeah, staircase he, it's just, it's just really, really cool, you know? I mean, this is this is somebody whose imagination is, you know, brimming. Yeah. Wait a second. Is this a... No. No. Is this a wax statue of Ray Harryhausen in a chair? Or is that actually Ray Harryhausen? I can't tell. <laughs> oh, shit. That's got to be a wax. That's a wax Ray Harryhausen for sure. <laughs> Motherfucker's got a wax life-size Ray Harryhausen posed as oh, if he's real. Holding, holding his own creation. Holding the Jason and the Argonaut skeleton army <laughs> and pouring yeah. tea that's not real tea. And, and Del Toro is like holding him. Yeah, he's like posed behind him like, check out my posse. Because there's, uh, who else is this? There's the Wolfman, but then who's the lady in the smoking jacket? That she's, uh, I don't know. He's got a little, uh, Peter Cushing over here next to Ray Harryhausen in a coat, like the Van Helsing look. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, right? Holy, so dude, I would be terrified if, like, my dad kept a life-size Ray Harryhausen. He's got a life-size Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> He has like a wax museum in his house. Yeah, yeah. Oh my Pretty god, cool. dude! If you just walked by this room and there were just all these wax people now looking that, at you. Now that, on the other hand, I'm not so sure about just normal wax people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into cr creatures. 
Yeah. I don't necessarily understand having like a wax replica of a person. I don't want wax. That is an in actual house, person. Yeah. Like, well, he I don't has. Know about uh, that. I see another one. He's got one of the pinheads from Freaks, from Todd Browning's Freaks. Yeah. yeah just in the stairwell, so you could be like going downstairs to go to the bathroom at night and run into Pip. <laughs> My goodness. This yeah. is a, this is God a knows. special person. Yeah, this is the kind of like yeah. he's he's different than us. It's why he does what he does, <laughs> and we don't. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and he's and he's done it so well. Like that's what's so cool about him. Yeah, you know, he's he's just broken through, and he's he shares now on that level, and it's on on this crazy level, and it's great. You know, I, I would it. prefer a creature statue, because. If you just ran into it at night, there'd be no mistake of what... You know, that's a monster. It's just a statue of a monster. But if it was, like, a person in different conditions, they could, that could be mistaken for something bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what would be is, interesting would be to break into his house and, and, like, sit in the Harry housing chair in that sweater. Oh, man. Oh, and just wait for him to come home. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, get arrested or attacked you know what would happen yeah you would like these things would all they're a security like they're like a supernatural security system and <laughs> they would all you would become by the time he got home you would just be another wax you'd statue be gone his, <laughs> you'd just be posed in a corner and he'd walk up to you and like kind of examine you and like wipe some dust off your cheek and then just go pour himself <laughs> some some coffee <laughs> Man, he's got some realistic wax <laughs> creatures. Oh, I mean, that's like the so whole... Yeah, here's Harryhausen. Just, wow. Yep. So that's that's Del Toro. Dude, I would be um, super disturbed if I found out a fan of ours had, like, wax versions of us in their house. <laughs> like, hey, I, you know, I'm a big fan. Um, I just wanted to know if you... If you would come sign the full-size wax version of you that I have, anybody who thought in my that we study. were interesting enough to make wax is not operating on all cylinders. <laughs> There's somebody out there right now listening to this, like, just be like crying and like destroying the wax work in progress <laughs> that they had. <laughs> this Edgar Allan like Poe, this Edgar Allan Poe is disturbingly real. Like the comb over is kind of greasy and like looks like a real comb over. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, he's oh, got an I'm, Ed- looking, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he's got an Edgar Allan yeah, Poe. Yeah, it, it really is. Man. And in the right light. He's got, like, nice shoes on, too. It's... All right. Well, that's kind of what I expected, but not... I was not ready for it either way. Yeah, that's the... That's that. He's, uh... He's done... One reason why he's basically a hero of mine is because he has done everything he could to to make something that he I feel like would genuinely enjoy watching uh, as opposed to Michael Bay (laughs) and then he just is filling his life with things that he loves like that's just look at his house like this is just all passion that's all just things he's that have inspired him and that that are him that have made him who he is you know yeah yeah and there's a there's a love this guy there's a uh, there's a line of continuity that runs throughout all of the stuff that he's surrounding himself with. You know, this sort yeah. of macabre, yeah, uh, sort of a, a sci- like sort of a fantasy science fiction horror mm-hmm. thing going on there. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so it's pretty brilliant. 
Now, let's just real quick. I want to go back to so the macabre, the macabre. Like, what's the right pronunciation of that word? Because I've heard oh, my whole life. I, you can, I think it's both. It can be macabre, yeah, uh, or macabre. I think. Yeah, because I remember when I was a kid. Did you ever watch Ripley's Believe It or Not when Jack Palance hosted it? Back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Because he always had that yeah. line. He's like, now join me into a journey into the macabre. <laughs> it's like, what's macabre? Yeah, the macabre. He did. You I, know. I know that people I know that people say macabre. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, which but is macabre, like, which is like chupacabra. It's cabra. The macabre. The macabre. Yeah. Jack Palance. That was, so we uh, kind of got off of uh, we kind of got off on uh, from 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 holiday films or yeah, Christmas well, films. Yeah, well, we went but, Del Toro, which but, uh, is a current, which is a current thing. He's got a movie in theaters. Yeah, so yeah. that's cool. Do you, do you want to step over into our experience of uh, Ready Player One with some speculation? Either yeah. that or I mean, we, we are going that. to see Star Wars on Friday. Which we are is going to fresh. see Star Wars on Friday. Um, I am super excited about that. I've heard. Yeah. Not only was I gonna go see it anyway, it doesn't even matter. People could be like, "Oh, it's fourteen percent rotten on Rotten Tomatoes." It's, um, but the advance word from the, from the 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 official, the first screening, is just people are just blown away. One guy said he was still shivering. Like that's that's crazy. <laughs> he said this film yeah, is that's everything. Nuts. It's it's intense. It's funny. It's powerful. Uh, yeah. It's got some of the biggest shots that of any Star Wars film. The you know the the battles. Um, so I, I feel I can't as though wait. Ryan Johnson is a good director that will that will be putting his own vision into it. Like I, I just get the sense that he is the kind of director that that wouldn't uh, be afraid to really yeah. step up to the plate and and say this is my film and I'm gonna put my I'm not gonna just make it this the conveyor belt kind of thing so like like factory you know it's not going to be a factory produced right uh, like film like, that like that the he, solo film may end up being <laughs> <laughs> the solo film god god only knows what's yeah, going on with we'll solo see. you know it's but, interesting uh, though ryan like, johnson, what did ryan great johnson director i think i and you know and you're right that pre-buzz is nuts yeah nuts i can't what wait to hear the do, soundtrack though? Oh yeah, who did the? Who is Williams doing the score? It's John is, Williams, brother, all the way. Yeah, yeah. Damn. I, I, uh, I just can't wait. Every new yeah. John Williams score is like a treat for me. Yeah, he's. <laughs> you know, I really, uh, I really always look forward to John Williams' new scores. We, 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 we tease him a lot uh, in our on our channel because you know we we do we get you know we use his music. There's no actual battle there, but it's yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> um, there's there's a reason we use his music because it, it's. He, his music is so iconic and good. It, it it will put you. It'll make it anything feel like Star Wars because <laughs> it's just because yeah. <laughs> he is he is Star Wars. Um, he yeah yeah. What did Ryan Johnson do though differently in order to to make a Star Wars film but make it his own and like not get kicked off the set <laughs> like everybody else has been? Huh. Well, there are a couple factors, maybe, right? That yeah. might, that may be different than something, for example, say uh, as like Rogue One, yeah. and so the solo films, right? So, so those films are films that fit into the Star Wars universe, but were not necessarily meticulously uh, designed to fit into the main storyline. Right. So, my my guess is that by the time Ryan Johnson stepped in to direct 
they had set the storyline so on course. You know, J.J. Abrams probably had laid the, found, the, the foundation so clearly and crisply in terms of where everything was going that, like, as long as you're... And since also it's the middle film, I'm guessing, you know, there isn't a lot of room to bend things right. uh, narratively. But that said, how a director might choose to accomplish what, what the st- how, to, how to show that story unfold on screen makes all the difference in the world. And yeah. that might be where, uh, you know, g- given the, the, the keys to, to go ahead and do that, that he might be able to shine, you know? Yeah. What do you think about where Ryan Johnson may go right or wrong. I don't know what the other guys did to get them kicked off of, like, Solo. You know, like how bad was their vision? How bad was it? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, it seems like they have creative differences, right? We talked about that in the last podcast. That seems to be the the overall consensus whenever somebody's kicked off a, a film. It's creative differences. It's like, what did, what did Ryan Johnson do that what, he could make it his own film and not get kicked off like these other guys. Like it's, he just I don't know. I mean, it's, he's just that just gets, tells me that he's he's legit. Like he's the right, the right fit. I mean, for this, yeah, this series. I think know? I think so. He probably was hitting all the right the right notes for Disney yeah. and uh, the under the watchful eye of Kathleen Kennedy and yeah. his team. And that's and, and maybe he just also was so competent in his approach. You know, who yeah. knows, man. Well, I also think, I know. you know, a lot of people, when these directors are getting kicked off the sets, they're just like, oh, Disney's crazy. They're just, they have a vision that's for, sa- it's all sales-based, and they got, you know, they're just driving the franchise into the ground, and they just, they want yes-men. And it's like, I don't think that's it. I think that they are they care about keeping it, you know, feeling legit. And if somebody's not a good fit, they're just going to do what they, like, they're going to take drastic measures to, to make sure it's they get people that are the right fit you know they i haven't really yeah. felt a new star wars film that came out yet that has been that hasn't felt anything less than this dude the prequel i'm sorry i know there's a ton of prequel fans out there but the prequels do not feel like star wars films to me they feel weird i watch them and I'm like this feels weird there's like the the feeling the tone the visuals yeah. it just none of it meshes with the star wars universe i mean it, for some people it's it's been it's existed for their entire lives so it's it's just it's unavoidably yeah. Star Wars for them, but for people like us who grew, like spent twenty years <laughs> well, living without the prequels. Here's what's here's what's so funny about that, right? The prequels were were done obviously because they're prequels. They were done after the original Star Wars films, right? Four, yeah. five, and six. Uh, but then when they came back to continue the story from four, five, and six to seven, eight, nine, they they clearly made this conscious decision to not use the prequels as inspiration for any of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yes the story is there, but but it's just interesting to me that they just picked up where they left off with the aesthetic of the original films. Yeah. But I don't I don't think that I don't think that's because these are the episodes that follow those chronologically. Yeah. Because because clearly like you know the pre. I don't think you know. Another way of flipping that is like I don't think that Lucas said I'm gonna make the prequels look way way different aesthetically because they're prequels. Right. Like I don't think he set out to do that intentionally. I think he just said, "What's the best technology I have, and how can I run yeah. with that to to let my imagination run wild?" You know, <laughs> and, and to put just, a '50s diner in space. 
<laughs> like, never. I don't know what happened there, but but it's funny that uh, they, they they clearly said like when we do this, we're gonna make them we're gonna make these movies feel almost like they were made back in the eighties. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> Which is just weird. It, yeah. It's weird and hilarious to me that they. It's kind of sad, also. Because I can just imagine like <laughs> if it was like an office, and like the old boss was like, "All right, you guys have been great. You know, I couldn't have done it without you. I hope you." continue to, to to perform just as strongly without me and then as soon as they leave Kathleen Kennedy comes in and just like just just shoves all of his shit off his desk and is like just burns it in a trash bin and just like let's just forget everything he ever said like this is we're doing it my way from now on yeah. screw that guy yeah it's just yeah I don't and, know. and I think Ron Howard was the only kind of person that you can bring in when yeah. things have kind of hit the hit the when the shits hit the fan, yeah. you need somebody that you know can just get it done. Yeah, yeah, he's a pro, man. He'll he'll, he'll go in. He knows what to do. He's like, where do you yeah, want? And, me? and you don't what have do you to need? worry about want? it. That was probably you want, a, you want a little off the top. You want sideburns? What do you want? I got you. Just bzz, <laughs> you got your you got your Han Solo haircut. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna call it Solo. Solo. You guys ready for this? For this reveal? I don't know if we can reveal it yet. Han Solo. <laughs> This movie, I don't know. This movie's called Hans. I don't know. Hans. It's, uh, so that kind of leads... I, I could segue this into Ready Player One because Ready Player oh, One is, yeah. is, a, is, a, is a book that was... that's a, one nostalgia reference after another. You know, it's a... It's, it's, a, it's an 80s love letter or as, as the writer himself called it, the holy grail of pop culture, uh, you know, Bible or whatever, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, <laughs> he did call it the holy grail of pop culture. Yeah, uh, did he say that? I don't think he called it that. Uh, I, that, though, that wording was used in the promo for the movie. So the, the book... So, all right, so the premise of the book, for those of you that don't know, is uh, in the future, I think it's like 2046 or something like that, there's nowhere else left on Earth to settle. It's all taken, and it's all, everyone's miserable. There's like the super rich. And oh, the, we should also say that there are, uh, th th these are spoilers if you haven't read right. the book. I'm, I'm going to try not to get too spoilery. I'm just going to try and just stick with just the, the premise. Um, and so the main character is super poor. He lives in what they call a stack, which is a trailer park that's vertical. Like, all the trailers are kind of Jenga-towered up into the sky. And uh, and he goes to school online in the Oasis, which is a free-to-access virtual reality environment created by one man who is kind of like a mix of, like, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Um, he's definitely supposed to be our age. He was born in, like, the late 70s. Uh, very Asperger-y and was super, super, super obsessed with 80s culture and had trouble connecting with people. So when he died, he's he left a will that says if if you I've left an Easter egg in Oasis, if anybody finds it, you inherit Oasis, like my creation. I don't have anybody to leave this stuff to. So whoever wins, I like Easter eggs in video games. So uh, if you find mine, you win everything. And uh, so everybody assumes that like they have to become familiar with his interests, which was the '80s. So in the book, everybody becomes super super duper into the '80s. And they memorize every possible aspect of the 80s. It's almost a competition with among friend groups at that point. Like, how much more do I know than, uh, than you about Saved by the Bell? And, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, it's all just to, to try to get insight into what the possible answer to the puzzles to find this, the, uh, the Easter egg is. So 
Um, and of course, the main character is in the race to do it. So, and that's where the movie that's where the movie is is about. It's, there's like regular people, evil corporations. Everybody wants to control Oasis because it's free, and it's the pro- I think the most powerful piece of um, uh, of, of property basically in existence. So, it's very important. Um, so, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen pretty much. You've probably seen every single pop culture icon in existence <laughs> popping up on screen uh, and and after the latest trailer I, I speak for myself I'd say I'm a, I'm a little worried like I enjoyed the book I didn't think it was a masterpiece I thought it was fun and I was a lot of like yeah. there's a lot of like oh yeah moments you know from when they reference stuff from my childhood I enjoyed the book quite a bit yeah and my nephew is enjoying the book quite a bit now but but I, I but the trailer I want to play for you my reaction to the trailer I recorded it oh did you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is my reaction. I was mostly quiet for the whole time, and then this is, this was um, my reaction in the end. I'm gonna see if I can play this. Here, uh, here it comes. Let's see. Much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the oasis. Man, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> What is going on there? Like, oh man, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Is that when I was on the phone with was, you? Yeah. That's amazing. We I'm so glad you recorded that and didn't tell me you were recording it. No, I didn't tell you because I wanted, I just wanted to maybe, I, I, I forgot that I was recording. <laughs> Because it had been rolling for a while, oh. and I forgot that that's what I said. Were you said. just recording like your own little like <laughs> secret reaction video? <laughs> yeah, like it just. But. <laughs> oh man, I don't that's know. That's how I felt back in the moment. Yeah, that's how I. That's how. That's what I experienced. Yeah. So, so you had a ton of great things to say about it. So you should just jump you, right you in. You didn't happen to record uh, that. I, did I you, needed my own uh, reasons yeah. for that. For my own reaction. <laughs> to that after yeah but, but uh, and i guarantee what will we'll align yeah on a number of things my, my biggest concern this, was but. when i saw over trace overwatch's tracer who is a video game character from a video game that came out last year so that's that's kind of telling for me because the whole point of the book was that everybody had to be obsessed with the 80s and i don't know if this is me i said this i don't know if it's me being a stodgy old 80s purist but that kind of sucks because this guy He's supposed to have grown up and been obsessed with the 80s, but this movie is basically saying, no, 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 everybody's obsessed with every piece of pop culture like leading up to today, which includes Gundam, Tomb Raider, Laura Croft was in there, you know, uh, Tracer, and it's just like, and it's, so it's like, all right, fair enough. Like, I still play video games. I know who Tracer is. What You know, I'm obsessed with the 80s. Am I obsessed with Overwatch? No. Like, it's those are two very clearly different eras it's it's generation that's like three generations apart yeah so it's yeah like, I mean, there are scenes in the for sure there are scenes in the book clearly where there are there's a convergence of all of these different characters from all of these different sources yeah. you know coming together but but there's also clearly this like like a good example is the iron giant yeah right they are saying that he is a big factor in this battle that was supposed to be between you know 80s icons yeah. which is what made it so funny and interesting but 
Iron Giant? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, great movie. But, like, what is he doing there? Yeah. Oh, man. The visual aesthetic was... You, you and I definitely got into that. Because it seems to be, from what the latest trailer has shown, that when you're in Oasis, anytime we're going to see anything in Oasis, everyone is going to be entirely CG. Which, I get it's a virtual uh, a reality. Like, it's... It's not physical. It's not real. It's not gonna be real people. But why are they gonna look so? They look like PlayStation Four era cutscene quality graphics. So it's like, it's, isn't this in like twenty forty something? Are they? Is why not just make it photorealistic? Why not just make it cool and assist it with visuals? But like to have every character look like you know, Polar Express. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, weird to watch yeah, that film and just uh, most of these scenes taking place are just not like. Nothing's going to look or feel real. And there was something about when I read the book, I felt immersed in these worlds that they went to. Like when they were in a virtual uh, simulation, it felt like they were real people in a real space. You know, like what it did. It never felt like what they yeah. were doing seemed, even though that like, you know, a, a TIE fighter was coming by because somebody was showing up to the big event in it. It didn't feel like the, uh, there was an air of, uh, of, of, Unreal, like there was no uncanny valley basically being conveyed through the the, the scenes that he was describing. So, well, well, Klein actually describes it that way. Klein says that there was a point where, um, using the newer technology, the Oasis had basically crossed that bridge from Uncanny Valley over into complete oh, realism. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that is so not it's like what's even happening. though, in, even though, <laughs> yeah, no, even though in the in the Oasis you might look like your avatar might be like a giant dildo or something, but like, <laughs> but it would look photo real. It would look realistic. Do you know what I mean? It would look like it's like, like the world does. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, that's, oh man. And that's why I'm kind of like, I know it's a Spielberg film and he's a big name director and everybody thought it was a good move because a lot of where the book takes inspiration is a Spielberg era pop culture. But I'm starting to think maybe Spielberg's not the right choice in the same way that George Lucas may not have been the right choice to make the prequels, to make new Star Wars films. Like, there's maybe the person who generated that source of inspiration is has lost touch with what th that was that they created. It's, I think I said it earlier, Spielberg didn't know at the time that he was, like, creating a Spielberg-style 80s aesthetic. He was just making new films <laughs> right. and just trying to break new ground. Right. That's all he's ever tried to do. He's never, like, right. gone back and revisited that Spielberg spirit, you know, from the 80s. Um, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Having somebody go back to, you know, because Steven Spielberg is an iconic director, but is he the person to go back and recreate his earlier iconic film aesthetics yeah. like I don't I don't think he's I don't, I don't think I mean, he's going I mean, to that's I think he's just gonna shoot right past that and be like I'm making a new slick you know modern film and it's gonna just yeah. weirdly have all these just it's good like all these pop culture visuals are gonna seem displaced because of that they're not gonna feel at home <laughs> in this this style yeah. and it's just gonna be like it's just gonna be kind of like brain candy you know a little bit like a garbage <laughs> Garbage dump. Garbage it just kind of looks like kind of like it's that, garbage day. <laughs> garbage day. It just kind of looks that, like a that, mess. That kind of brings. That kind of comes around to one of the one of the things that I I had sort of felt uh, after watching it was that the the aesthetics are that what for whatever it's worth right there there are bad trailers for good films and good trailers for bad films. Mm -hmm. um, 
whether or not this film is good or bad, to me, it's a bad trailer because it's a, while it's while it's exciting, um, it scares me because t- to me, it's like what they're not showing in the trailer yeah. is very telling. And, uh, you know, so so the thing about the Oasis that it's so cool is that the Oasis is built upon the inspiration of people that spans everything. So there are like worlds on top of worlds on top of worlds where people have meticulously cre- recreated something. For example, there's like a Star Trek world and you can go hang out in Star Trek world, yeah. you know, or you can go hang out in, you know, Indiana Jones world, whatever. Yeah. And the thing about the film is that it, I mean, in the trailer is that they didn't show us anything that appeared to be anyone in one of those particular aesthetics. Like there are scenes in the book where they're having conversations, they're having meetings like on the set of Family Ties. Yeah. You know, or or there's a scene where a character has to uh, act out entire sequences from war games. Right. Right. Uh, like being in the film and doing lines from war games. Um, and nothing like that was in the trailer, which leads me to believe that when they go into the Oasis, it's just going to be this one this, style, right? This big gray, weird, like super, I mean, maybe I'm just crazy. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't show anything. Yeah. Because it would be hard for them to, to, to not do that. Right. It would be. Cause the part of but like, part of, there was like four. So yeah, the game to find the Easter egg was four keys that unlocked four different doors which eventually led to the Easter egg. And so each key unlocked a puzzle. And one of those puzzles was like reenacting entire films. And that was uh, War Games, I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and like, and uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. It's like, are they going to do that? What are they, what's that's So that was a whole portion of the book. So what are they going to do if they don't do that? Right. So, so so that's my question, right? The idea that the, the parts of the Oasis that they showed in the film are, they're sort of glorious in their fantastical look. They're, they're big looks. Yeah. But, but are they going to try to capture the aesthetic of, like, like for example, I gave this example earlier when we were talking, like, if you went to Star Trek The Next Generation yeah. world... <laughs> Right. And you were standing and you were standing on the deck. Now, how that might look to you if you were in a virtual world, like if you put on the vibe (laughs) and went to Star Trek, the next generation virtual deck, uh, main deck, like that would look like something to you in the virtual reality. But because you have to show these characters in a movie doing that, are they going to try to replicate some of the aesthetics of the shows? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like where they use the same lighting when they're on the the main deck of the you know the Enterprise, the Next Generation. Yeah. Will it look? Will it look correct? Will it have the same feel as the show did? I'm f- because otherwise, it would just be like people on a set yeah. that looks new, or, like today. Like it wouldn't. What would be the point of of showing something? Or like that? worse yet, not and even I'm a set, but just like a didn't totally show anything like that in the trailer. Yeah, because that's it was just that's a people. Huge part of it. Yeah, it was only characters. It wasn't places it wasn't it wasn't environments um because all the environments were just they just nothing it was just gray gray city streets gray just rocky backgrounds um yeah because there's another part but besides the aesthetics of just films that they were in there was also like my favorite was arcade world where it was an entire planet because you know the oasis was broken up into planets you could travel planet to planet um and one of them was arcade world and it was 
Uh, basically, an, almost like an oral history of every arcade that ever existed, based on whatever pictures they had, or people's memories, or blueprints, or, you know, whatever they had to reconstruct every arcade that ever existed. And are they going to show that, and is it going to feel like those arcades, or is it just going to feel like some slick CGI, you know, generic <laughs> set, like, the, right. like the, the, the way everything else looked? So it's, that, yeah. I mean, because part of that whole book was that he described how those places felt very well. You know, like, because he walked into that pizza parlor that had a Pac-Man machine in it. And the way he described that place, it had, like, bad wood paneling. Like, everything about it screamed, like, a place that we've all probably been to. And yeah. I don't see them being able to show that. <laughs> and he, like... I mean, they did They did show the kids in class, right? Yeah. And the kids, the kids in class are in a virtual cl- class. But... But it did look like real, the real, real people, world. Right. So, so that means that that means that they are going to have things. Well, that was there ever a point in the book where real. he went to a real school? Because I know he got transferred to a virtual school because he was such a good student. But I know he was at a real one for a while, and it and it really sucked for him. I'm wondering if maybe that was a scene huh. from a real school. <laughs> oh well, that. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll huh. see. But the, the, yeah, I guess the bottom <laughs> line is that is, this is a book that we are all very entertained by and, and touched by, you know, from from a nostalgic sense. And the film is got us worried. <laughs> the, the, the final point that I would like to add is uh, films that have a large visual effect component have mostly been the films that have not been his best work. Right. In the last like twenty years, and earlier you right? specifically were like so, Tin Tin BFG. Um, yeah, yeah, which I liked the BFG. I thought it was an interesting movie. There was some visual stuff, CG work that was pretty spectacular, yeah. honestly. But, but the thing is, he his, his Spielberg's fully CG aesthetic is kind of weird. It's a little weird. He does a lot of motion capture stuff that gets you right, that just drops you right into the uncanny valley. And it's like, I don't know, yeah. like Tintin, Tintin's another one of those films that's kind of fun to watch, but it's just so weird to me because it's not, I don't know why they just didn't go full animation and why they wanted to just do this strange motion capture thing. Like, I just yeah. don't, I don't know yet what that was bringing to the table. Like I, you know, to me, it goes back to the Polar Express, like you said, yeah. in that kind of weird, like I, I like it as a, but, but I don't know why some, some animators get it so right. For example, to me, Gollum was such a wondrously perfect CG character uh, that was, you know, based on motion capture. Yeah. Uh, the, the the best example ever is more recently is the Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah, Caesar. Like, flawless, flawless C- like motion capture examples. I mean, first of all, you have great actors yeah. doing the motion capture, like Andy Serkis. But but holy crap, like, t- I mean. For, for every film that I'm complaining about having too much CG, like, that's an example of a film that I will praise to the end. Oh, yeah. You know, as having, like, as much CG as is necessary to tell the right story. And <laughs> and that that film is nothing short of, of stellar when it comes to the work that's done. Like, those those gorillas... <laughs> yeah. Uh, ...are, like, the, the, the characters are so believable on screen. Um, it, like, never, ever, ever breaks your suspension of disbelief in any way whatsoever. Yeah. But for some reason, Spielberg's motion capture is like weird. I feel like um, I feel like he's doing motion capture 
and then combining it with weird cinematography. I think that's what the problem is for me. Yeah. So like he's so he's he's not afraid to like do really super crazy things with the camera, but once you're doing super crazy things with the camera with motion capture in CG worlds, like you you lose start losing the sense that somebody was there filming. Yeah. You you, know? you, get, you pointed that out to me a lot when we first started working together. One of the, your gripes with the new Hobbit film was Peter Jackson just had a camera that didn't exist in any real space. It would just fly around and make these moves that were not like representative of like what a real camera would be doing if it was there and it made everything feel yeah. more artificial yeah yeah exactly yeah uh, like the, I, there was a really funny shot of him uh from a behind the scenes where he was he he was like a kid with a toy which was awesome to see because he's a great director and he's he was having a lot of fun on set yeah but he was like the cinematographer for this one scene and he was like running around with the camera on a giant set like as a virtual cinematographer and the shot that he was getting was like a uh, an aerial shot of of, of this t- village yeah <laughs> and he was like running <laughs> and then like sticking the camera up against a building and it's like dude no chopper like if you're trying to show rivendell like no helicopter is going to be able to do what you just did right. with that camera and like and it's not obviously there are no fucking helicopters in near rivendell but the problem is it <laughs> It just it just hits your brain in a weird way yeah. that makes you think that what you're seeing is not is real. Fake. That's yeah, the problem. Exactly. It's not it's not that you're like not selling I, everything the environment be- with or, or doing the reality of that environment any favors with these highly uh, impossible physical camera moves. And and I do know a lot of directors do. Just, you know, one of their one of their rules is that you should have all digital uh, virtual cameras following the same set of physics that you would on any camera. Yeah. You know, if you if you really want something to look realistic. Now, of course, in the Oasis, it's not supposed to be realistic, right? Right. Because it's a virtual world. But like, you're still gonna have to tell your story. Yeah. We're still gonna have to be sitting in an audience watching a film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like you put on a, a pair of virtual reality goggles and then experience the movie Ready Player One. We should though. You know, I remember way back to, in the day when you told me that they were doing a film and that there may be some augmented reality elements incorporated into the the viewing experience and i just i guess yeah that's all not happening now or something i don't know that's definitely not yeah. happening uh <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what their plan was i think that they 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 made that mistake of saying since the book is about future technology like we have to actually create a future technology right <laughs> To to make the movie, yeah, <laughs> like, like, to, to to show the movie, they're like, forget like, it. Just give a, me a PlayStation a Four dev kit and let's just make this movie as CGI as possible. <laughs> That's one thing that's bothered me. It's, they all the look like the CGI looks like all. It's all based on today's technology. It doesn't look like it's taking place in the future. It looks like it's taking place in a video game that I would play today. So that just <laughs> right, uh, right. Uh, all right. I'm just, yeah, I'm bummed. I mean, I'm one of those people that's not at all adverse to a little bit of nostalgia pandering. That's, I, I love it. I love seeing, I love being reminded of cool shit that's just weird, you know, uh, from, from yeah. my childhood. My, our childhood is weird, man. We had some weird shows. Like, I did, uh, I got to post more. I remember I started doing it on Twitter. I was like, here, just, I wanted to, I, I wanted to just make sure that this show actually existed and I didn't just make it up. And it was like, tra- it was the opening animation for that show the visionaries that you and i were talking about 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like a lot of weirdness about the 80s that, you know, doesn't exist in any other generation. So I do appreciate any chance to revisit that. But yeah, but if it's just done like without thought or any sort of heart, I don't know. Also, not for nothing, I think the casting was like a little cowardly. Like I don't, I, 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 I think I think the actors that they chose are great actors, but that's not my point. My point is that you know Wade was supposed to be like this chubby kid, yeah, who who's like this like non-attractive like chubby kid. Now you don't have to cast an ugly actor, yeah, but like, but why would you cast like a hunk? Yeah, you know, like well, he, I don't care like, what you say. Like, the, the kid that they cast is definitely like this good looking dude. Yeah, he's like know? a Hollywood, you know, possible, you know, potential leading man, a, a, you know, a younger future leading man. Um, yeah, it yeah, just, that's a it good just point. Seems, yeah, they didn't. Like, uh, it, just, it, it just seems like a kind of like a kind of wussy move. Yeah. Instead well, that's, of like, they could have cast anybody in that role, like somebody who was kind of I mean, there is a part in the book where he gets into better shape. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But they could have gotten a kid who's sort of in the middle. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. They tried to frump him up with his clothes a little bit. You could tell they're like, he's going to beat you. Yeah, they made him kind of frump. Yeah. They're going to take his glasses <laughs> off and he's going to be a god. That's a classic <laughs> 80s move. <laughs> Taking the glasses off and everything just changes. The game is been, the, the script has been flipped. It's the glasses off and the, the rip the t-shirt arms yeah. off. <laughs> like rip the oh, shirt. Dude, rip the shirt arms the, off. The, is the arms. Move. Yeah. I, you know, you know, it's funny with the reality of taking your glasses off. It, you don't look sexy or there's like, like the glasses were hiding something about you. When you take your glasses off, you look fucking weird. Like people are so used to your face with glasses on. You take them off and like your eyes look kind of sunken in and like there's rings around them. And you're just like, ah, put those back on freak. Who are you? It's like shaving or something all of a sudden. You'd be like, what if I just showed up and I had no beard all of a sudden? You'd be like, Jesus Christ. Like, Oh, my God. I wouldn't even recognize you're a, you. Look like I don't a, even know what look, I would do. I might I just would, tell you to get out of my house. That's what I'd look like Gollum is what I would look like. I, would, <laughs> I need some kind of hair on my face. That's like because I just I had this photo one time. I used to oh, I used man. to write write for this uh, uh, sort of not fake news site. Fake news. Um, Fake news. It was it was a parody news site. It, it was back in the early 2000s. It was less The Onion and more like The Daily Show. Like we took real news headlines and then just spun them into into jokes. Yeah. And uh, my promo photo for that was like it was like a news like anchor style. You know, like hold my you know th- thumb and finger on my chin, looking thoughtful. And I had no beard and I was a shaved head, and all I had was my big thick eyebrows. And my brother saw that photo <laughs> and left maybe one of the greatest comments I've ever seen my entire life. He goes, dude, your your head is so smooth. And then your eyebrows intrude on the rest of your face like the Waffen SS during the night of broken glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> It was that was that was how smooth Dude, I was. Is, my eyebrows were that, that harsh. That was my brother. <laughs> that's I mean that's like the worst intrusion. <laughs> my eyebrows hit that head hard. I should find Holy that photo shit. and I should share it. That's uh, so everybody knows what I'm talking about. Because I think the guy who oh. edited the photo even like softened it a little bit, so it was even, I looked even smoother. It was. Oh man, strange. yeah, dude, send me that picture. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that the thumbnail for the podcast. Confuse the shit out of everybody. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, the beard definitely adds some some uh, 
contouring oh, <laughs> that my my head definitely needs. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. I guess we can wrap. Should we wrap up on that note? Yeah, we can wrap up. I do want to just say sometimes, you know, we get messages from people that are that thank us for, you know, for for doing what we do because they may be in a dark place and, you know, um, things are not looking great. And they thank us for like kind of alleviating that a little bit. And I know December is notoriously one of the worst times of year for people. So just want to give you guys a little little boost you know we're all feeling it i'm feeling it for sure i'm just i told craven this earlier i was watching guardians of the galaxy 2 and i'm such a goddamn emotional wreck right now that i was totally caught unprepared uh if you haven't seen the movie that i'm going to spoil a little bit yondu's character arc is i was a i was a slobbering mess (laughs) like yondu like did his thing and like his story arc came to a close i was like what is wrong with me i am like so torn up over this everything correct is what is right with you yeah but it just that's the question just let it happen don't be afraid to let that all that them demons out and just you know yeah it's like part of the problem with being a guy is that the idea that you can't do that and then it it wrecks you it has just turns you into a mess and that's why people lose their shit all the time and do stupid things just let those uh my brother and I call it like we'd be <laughs> we talked about the never ending story recently. We're like, dude, how deep is the never ending story? The villain is just existential dread. That's it. It's the nothing. <laughs> the villain is the yeah. nothing. And it's like sometimes you got to just straight up go Artax and just let the nothing kind of suck you in a little bit. <laughs> you just kind of. Yeah go up to the neck into the nothing and just feel that for a little bit and kind you know stare into the abyss for, yeah. for a moment and then just fucking scream and just shake off the the, the, the tendrils and pull yourself up and you know <clears throat> yeah and, and give the princess a name I don't know what, what was that movie really about <laughs> nobody knows man I don't think anybody knows the swamp awesome, of sadness and the nothing tonight. I kind of yeah I'm we gonna, should watch that again too man that's uh because the nothing had an envoy, and it was just that wolf. And he's just like, I just represent the nothing. And everything behind me is gone. There's just nothing. And that was everybody's <laughs> right. worst fear, that there, that there was everything was just meaningless. That there was no yeah. meaning to anything. And I was like, it's, that yeah, is it's too deep for a kid's movie. Holy shit. It's brilliant. So, yeah. So I got to yeah. say, on that note, too, of, of, of mentioning um, people sending us thank yous, uh, we do get a lot of great messages from people that that say just thanks for what you're doing and uh you you know love to see you know it makes your day when you see a new video come up and uh for that we do thank you all of you uh so much because that that makes our days you know when we when we see that people are getting something out of the content that we make and that you guys are enjoying it and that it might make you laugh or that you share it with your friends or even when we post a video and just these comments come rolling in like on our last video <clears throat> the Brett Favre poor, poor Brett Favre the micro touch <laughs> oh uh, the comment section has been like off the charts hilarious like you guys are, are just <laughs> like, we're really like, happy like, with how nuts how much you guys have embraced this concept we we yeah. we talked about a while ago about taking it to a weird place and it's starting to happen and you guys seem like you're you're right on board with that so yeah that's awesome <laughs> totally and we it's just really, great to see that positivity coming coming back at yeah. us. You know, we should play really, that clip, just, by the way, of the most recent um, recording session for that, because we always have oh, a yeah. line, yeah, that we can't get out. 
<laughs> yeah, um, there's always there's always like one line, and uh, yeah. you'll see. Well, we won't tell you what it is, but we'll maybe we can end this podcast with our attempt to do yeah, that, of the that line. one line. Every one of those commercials, if you didn't catch our, the podcast before where we talked about that, every one of those fake commercials has one line in particular that we just can't get through because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. And we didn't think it was going to happen in this one, and, and it hit us by surprise. <laughs> it, it happened. Yeah. You may – yeah, I would like for you to guess which one it is before you hear it, but I don't know how we could gauge that. There's no real-time al- yeah. element to this. <laughs> But yeah, like you, like Craven was saying, uh, you know, hearing from you guys is great because, like, you know, part of depression is just feeling like you you, you just want to have a purpose and seeing that you guys are like into what we do gives us a purpose. So it's it's awesome, and we appreciate it, and we hope you appreciate it too. I don't know. Totes. Keep your head up. Totally. December. It's just a month. Who cares? It's a man-made construct of time, and Santa Claus. <laughs> Yeah. Go, if you're feeling down, here's what I do. Just go be nice to someone for no reason. You, they may think you're a total fucking weirdo, but it's the right thing to do anyway. So just, you know, stop, you know, more, more for often than not, that person will surprise you. Yeah. With, with their, with their reaction. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. I, I have examples. I don't want to, but it sounds like it would like be humble bragging. So I don't want to do it. Just, just, just try it. It's for yourself. Don't tell anybody. No post about it either. Keep it to yourself. It's your own thing. Because <laughs> if you go post about it and try to like, they call that virtue signaling. That's horseshit. Don't do that. Just well, you own can it. share your good experiences though. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, just do it the right way. Be be aware. Yeah, of whether do it or not the right. Do it the right way. But, Listen. Here are the rules the- to being nice. <laughs> <laughs> Spread the love, yeah. you know? Just, yeah, that's my advice to everybody. Go be nice to someone for no reason. Don't expect anything for it. Don't expect anything back for it. Just just <laughs> do it for the sake of being nice. And it's it's awesome. The, the, the last time I was traveling home for... I'm going to be leaving for Christmas in a couple weeks, but uh, the last time I was traveling home, uh, I got stuck at the Washington Bridge. Oh, that's in, in, a, in a in a traffic jam that was like out of hand. The GW it was like up hours. there, at, uh, yeah, yeah. It was. It, I just left at the wrong time and I got stuck there and I was in traffic and I like couldn't. They they changed a lane and I couldn't get over from the lane I was in to a cash lane. Yeah, and uh, I just couldn't get in. And then finally, this one guy made this very uh, overt move to make sure that I could get in like let he, me in in front of him he, and nobody he, wanted to let nobody wanted yeah. to let anybody in in front of anybody yeah so I paid for his toll oh you were in you front know? of him you're like, like I got that guy too yeah I was like here's yeah. mine and then here's the one for the guy behind me and like yeah. all I could hope is that we just both walked away from that circumstance like okay you know people are cool that's goodness yeah, that's, that's amazing. my that's my happy story. Hell yeah. That's kind of a lame story. <laughs> no, it's a good story because it involves somebody being cool to you things. and it moved you. Like that was, it's always tough. When you're like, here's this amazing thing I did for somebody. You know, it's not, it's kind of, kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yours is a good example of, uh, listen, I, I ride my bike through the city. No one's nice to me. I'm a, I'm at public enemy. Number one <laughs> <laughs> cyclists at NYC are like, like hyenas. Nobody wants to see them around. Like, like, <laughs> Predators or prey are just like, Jesus Christ, hyenas. Like, it's... Uh, I did... Oh, we got to get that set up, too. I threw that out there on Twitter to, like... Yeah. To gauge interest in seeing a stream of my ride. And uh, we, we got to get that going. It'll be even more interesting now because it's cold weather out. It's going to be... It's fucking beautiful. Like, it's... 
winter New York is, is a whole, it's its own thing. So I want to share that in the crazy experience of riding five plus miles through <laughs> three different <laughs> boroughs. You know, it's it'd be nuts. Oh, and uh, totally. episode six. I guess we should probably update people on that. We, we're working hard on it, and we're aiming yeah. for a, a, a first quarter early-ish 2018 release. I know before we said we were trying, our soft goal was to get it out before uh, The Last Jedi, but that is just yeah. happening. And But we it, think... It hasn't happened. It'll it's be worth the wait, without, though. Oh, it'll definitely be worth the wait. Without scaring anybody, you know, we're, we're not... We, the, the, the thing that we're dealing with is, you know, we want to go out big and... We want to go out in a way that makes sense within the context of the other episodes. So, for example, you can expect that there will be things that have been in the other episodes. Character arcs will be will be coming to natural, logical conclusions <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and but we're not like overdoing it. We're not making the mistake of saying we have to do something totally outside the realm of what we've done yeah. already. You know, we're not like we're not overthinking it. We're not underthinking it. It's gonna be. We hope, like, just right in the pocket of being perfect, and the yeah. most important thing is that it's hilarious, and that you know it's got all the right elements, and that you just you're Hell gonna love yeah. it. Well, so, that's one thing that I've takes noticed. So much time to get yeah. right. Well, because it's, it's like the, the, the longer long time to, to all nail that time that's gone by, it's only gotten sharper. Like, it's I feel yeah. like if we had finished it, you know, six months ago, it like there's so many things that we discovered like last month that are just like holy crap, this is. This is changing everything. This is the best. So right. it's, um, it's only for the for the better that it is taking as long as it has. But totally, uh, we ha we definitely hope you enjoy everything we've done in between that time, and we'll continue to enjoy that stuff. And that's it. I got nothing. I'm tapped. Totally, I'm tapped too. Let's close yeah. it out. Let's do it. Thanks again for listening. Yeah. And uh, you know, check just all that stuff. <laughs> check out all our that uh, stuff. Check out our website, rlnots.com. And, uh, you know, if you just want some news, uh, Zach's done some awesome articles that are up there. Yeah. Uh, check that out. You can also, like, buy T-shirts and coffee mugs and stuff like that. And uh, music. Check out the music store. All that. Uh, Anyways. Anyway. Right, <laughs> well, any so. So. <sighs> I guess uh, on that note, we'll yeah. say... Peace out. I'm going to hit stop and recorder. Recording? Yeah. Me All too. All right, stopping now. Introducing the Tough Blade Pro, the world's first handheld bioreplication device. Using our patented laser-based system, the MicroTouch will scan every pore of your face at an anatomic level and store your genetic blueprint for replication. Simply apply the heat dampening cream shield. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Here's the line. <laughs> Hold on, I'll take a second to get through this one. Oh, man. Simply apply the heat dampening. <laughs> Hold on, one more. I got this. Simply apply the heat. <laughs> Fuck. Found it. Yeah. Simply apply the heat dampening cream shield. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, fuck. 
Oh, God. Simply apply the heat dampening cream shield. <laughs> I think I got it out. <laughs> All right. And let the Touchblade Pro collect your genetic sample with ease. Just hanging out, hanging out, just singing out, hanging out with my family. 